You're listening to the Small Town Hoopers Podcast, where we will talk everything basketball, NBA, NCAA, high school, local rec leagues. If it involves basketball, I will discuss it. I am your host, Ben, and the episode starts now. Welcome back. This is episode two of the Small Town Hoopers Podcast. On this episode, we will discuss Giannis Attentacumpo. And yes, I'm going to say it. He is the best player in the league. We are also going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and whether they have what it takes to get to the NBA Finals. And finally, we're going to touch on the new NBA Challenge rule. When should coaches use the rule? Is it effective? And what has the success rate been over the course of the season so far? All that and more on Episode 2 of the Small Town Hoopers Podcast. Episode two of the Small Town Hoopers podcast. I am here ready to talk about the game. And first off, I have to say it. It's, I'm a huge LeBron fan, but I have to say it. Giannis is the best player in the league. Without a doubt. I sat and watched that game on Thursday. Uh, Milwaukee versus the Lakers. And Giannis just looked incredible he looked incredible and going into the game I was excited just to see how the Lakers would respond they just came off a loss Um, but that was the last thing I was thinking about watching this game I saw Giannis hit five of eight threes which is the scariest thing I have seen in a long time in this league 6-11 length wingspan, can get to the basket whenever he wants, and now he's pulling up from 30 feet out. He's the best player in the league. I don't have to see any more. He's the best player in the league, and I know what's going to happen now. People are going to hit me and say, Ben, you're overreacting. It was just one game. He has to prove it on a more consistent basis. I get all of that, and I understand it, but... Here's the thing about great players. They will continuously work on their game, recognize their strengths, and continue to work on their weaknesses. And since Giannis has been in the league, the one knock on him was that he couldn't shoot the three. And unlike Ben Simmons, who which we will talk about later, Giannis has taken the strides. He's made the improvements. He's actually looking to take those shots. There was a moment in this Lakers-Bucks game. Giannis, dribbling up the court, with confidence, pulls up on Anthony Davis and just wets it. That let me know that, one, he's not scared of the moment. Two, he's been working on that shot. And three, he will take it willingly. And his team has confidence in him that he will make it. And the last thing that you want an opposing team to have is Giannis with confidence. He's already confident as it is. But if he's confident from the three-point line, nobody, there's no defense for that. There's no defense for a 6'11 big that can get to the basket whatever he wants and just shoot threes. There's no defense for that. There's no defense at all. 
and Milwaukee has put shooters around him. They've put bigs that rebound. This team was centered around Giannis, and they've just plugged in pieces to complement Giannis. And that's what makes Milwaukee a very scary team. But let me get back on Giannis as an individual player and why I think that he is the best player in the league right now. He does it on both ends. Offensively, he's giving you 31 points a game, second behind James Harden. Giving you 12 and a half plus rebounds a game with seventh in the league. And his team is has the best record in the league. Best record in the league. Your main guy is scoring 30 plus a night along with 12 rebounds. That alone should put you in the conversation as the best player in the world. But what I love about Giannis is the mentality. He's not trying to be friends with none of these players. He don't he don't dap players up. When he's on the court, he's trying to dunk everything. It, re- it really does remind me, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. It reminds me of how Kobe played. Kobe just didn't care. Kobe was an assassin. Kobe had that Mamba mentality. He was looking to destroy. And now we have Giannis, who's much bigger and stronger than Kobe, with that same mentality. Who is stopping that? Who? Kawhi? Maybe. LeBron? I'm a LeBron fan, but he's getting old. Anthony Davis? He could, maybe. But not if Giannis is hitting threes. Giannis is the best player in the league, without a doubt. Hands down, best player in the league. He may not be the best scorer, but he could give you 30 a night. May not be the best rebounder, but he give you 12. And I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, some advanced stats. Almost 20 of his points are all in the paint, which means he's dunking everything. You're not stopping him on the drive. He's going to get to his spots. Just because he's just purely bigger than anybody that guards him. 20 points in the paint. He also gets 6.5 points per game on fast breaks. Oh, and both of those stats, he's league leading. Usage rate, second in the league behind James Harden. And those are just a couple stats for the stats people out there that care about stats. I mean... I think they're all right. I don't think they tell the full story of a player. I'm more of an eye test guy. I know what I see. And when I watch Giannis play, I see him just bulldoze his way to the basket. It's like a... See, I'm going to get shit for this again. It's Shaq-type dominance. Nobody is stopping him when he's in the paint going up to dunk the basketball. It's that simple. And there's so many traits to describe Giannis. But if I had to describe it, let's just say take Kobe's mentality, right? Then you add LeBron-type athleticism with Kevin Durant length and... Finishing ability of Shaq. You have a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> Space Jam 2. 
He's going to be a Space Jam too. That's a monster. That's the evil guy that you got to take over. It's it's not human. It's unicorns. They thought KP was a unicorn. Giannis is the unicorn. And when I watch that, that's the best player in the league. He's the best player in the league, man. There's no if. I don't got to think about it. Like, it used to be LeBron. I still think LeBron is great. I think he's second or third best player in the league league, or the world. It's Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the world. I have nothing else to say but that. Giannis is the best player in the world. I'll reiterate it if you didn't hear me the first 30 times. Giannis is the best player in the world. And when you're that good, you have a responsibility Players that are leaders, players that want to win, players that want to be great, they have a responsibility to continue to work on their game and to never pigeonhole themselves from being great. And with that said, I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. That one comment alone, to me, Describes Ben Simmons in a nutshell. Has all the talent in the world. But can't shoot and won't shoot. Why? Just shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Let me see something that lets me know that you've worked on your game. That shows me that you want to get better. Shows me that you want to be a threat on the court. Because when you're a threat, it opens up. Everything for the entire team. It opens up Joel Embiid. It opens up some of the shooters. It opens up Tobias Harris, who hasn't done much in Philly over the past two years. I think it has to be Ben Simmons that takes that jump. Joel Embiid is amazing. He's another one of those players that has the potential to be the best big in the game. But I if they're going to be successful, if they're going to go to the finals, if they're going to be a team to contend for the next five, six years, they have to do it together. Ben Simmons can't just sit around on the three-point line and not be a threat. We all know he's not going to shoot the ball. It doesn't. Watching the Sixers play is just nerve-wracking because he's open and he just won't shoot it. Even this year, I've seen Rondo shoot threes. Shooting a higher percentage this year, actually. But if Rondo, if Rajon Rondo could shoot threes, what's stopping Ben Simmons? I have no idea. I, early in the year, before the season started, I picked the Sixers to go to the finals. I, I don't feel great about that pick right now. Joel Embiid has to step up, and he's capable of doing it. I think he will, but that Ben Simmons, man, he's... Shoot the fucking ball, man. (laughs) Come on. You're open. They're leaving you open. Shoot the ball. You're not going to get better if you don't shoot. Defenses could just sit back like they used to do with Rondo and just... Dare you to shoot. Some Sometimes you just got to take the shot. 
You have to take the shot. I don't know if he's scared. You're an NBA player. You've been playing basketball your whole life. You shouldn't be scared to shoot a jump shot. I don't know what it is. He should just shoot. Shoot the ball. Fusing, and it's frustrating watching because, like I mentioned earlier with Giannis, you just see the mentality difference. Giannis, you could tell that he's been working, and he wants it. He wants it. Ben Simmons, like, do 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 Another game, get, get to the basket a couple times, drop a couple dimes. You know, I'm trying to get to these hoes. That's, that's what it feels like watching Ben Simmons play. It just feels like he's not, he's not all the way in it like Giannis is. And it's, I guess it's not fair to compare Giannis to Ben Simmons. I mean, Giannis is the best player in the league. And Ben Simmons, he's, he has the talent, man. It is just so frustrating to see. It's like wasted talent. Shout out to Cameron. Wasted talent. That's what it feels like watching Ben Simmons. And you can't win a championship with wasted talent. But let me get off of um, Ben Simmons for a little bit and just look at the team in Philly as a whole. They're a top, top three, top four team in the East. I do think that they will get to the conference finals this year. But it just... They just look shaky, man. They don't look all the way put together. I know it's still kind of early in the season. We haven't even hit the all-star break yet. But they just they just need a couple more things. Al Horford needs to play better. He was supposed to be the complement to Joel Embiid. He's got to play better. Their shooting has taken a step back. And, of course, that's going to happen when you lose J.J. Redick, who's been a sniper since he's been in the league. The Sixers defensively aren't what I thought they were capable of. This team just needs work. And I think if they add a shooter, they add a shooter that can make it consistently, like a good 35 36% three-point shooter whose job is to just shoot. A three and defense guy, that would make Philly way better because the shooting, the three-point shooting has held them back. Watching the Heat game from Wednesday, Heat played the Sixers. Heat played a zone. And if you know basketball, you play a zone when you know the team cannot shoot. You load up the paint to defend against Joel Embiid in the paint and when they kick it out, you're, you're going to live or die with it because you know for a fact that they're going to miss more than they're going to make because they're not a three-point shooting team. Would you dare play a zone when it was prime Steph and Clay and KD and Golden State? No. Would you play a zone against Houston when all they do is shoot threes? No. You play a zone against a team when you know they can't shoot and you're willing to live and die with the consequences. But more times than not, they're going to miss. So that's why you play a zone. And the fact that Miami had the audacity to get that off on Philadelphia lets me know that this is a trend that's going to start where teams are just going to dare Philly to shoot. I dare Ben Simmons to shoot. I'll dare Tobias Harris to shoot contested threes. 
Josh Richardson. I dare him to shoot. Joel Embiid, he could hit him. But I'll live with him staying by the three-point line rather than killing my bigs in the paint. So that's the key if you want to play against Philly. Make them shoot threes, and you have a higher chance of winning the game. Make them shoot threes. That's the scouting report on Philly. And I also want to mention, I do recall Shaq on TNT. He spoke about Joel Embiid, and he's he's always challenging him, always saying 20 and 10 is, is not enough. I want 26 and 12, especially against primetime competition. And I feel him. I get it. Shaq is a big, and he sees another big with talent, with pure talent. You want the best out of him because you see it. You see the potential. You see what he could be, and he's just not. He's the, he's getting there. He's getting there, but he's not where people like Shaq or Charles or major NBA pundits think Joel Embiid should be. Uh, I don't think Shaq is asking a lot. For Joel Embiid, as big as he is, the size, his touch around the basket, he should be at 27, 28, and 12 a game. And that's what it's going to take. A finals run against Giannis, that's what it's going to take. So as of now, I'm going to stick with Philly as my pick to come out of the East. But Philly's got to step it up. I want to see... Joel Embiid take that step. I would love to see Ben Simmons attempt more jump shots to get the rest of the team going and fired up. Odds are that's probably not going to happen this season. I hope it happens next season. But as of now, I'm going to stick with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, They haven't done bad enough to where I just abandon ship. But Giannis is scary. Giannis is scary, but I'm going to go out on a limb and stick with Philly as my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. Now that I'm done ranting kind of about the Philadelphia 76ers, I want to talk about the NBA challenge rule that is taking the league by storm. Not really, but it is a new rule uh, that they've implemented this season where teams could challenge a foul or a ruling on the court. Uh, I want to take a second to read um, from NBA.com what the rule entails. So, each team has one challenge in the game, regardless of whether the challenge is successful or not. A team can use its challenge for personal foul calls on its own team at any time in the game, and out-of-bounds and goaltending basket interference calls during the first 46 minutes of the game and the first three minutes of overtime. In the last two minutes of the fourth period and overtime, out-of-bounds and goaltending basket interference calls reviews will be exclusively triggered by on-court referees. Teams cannot challenge non-calls or other types of calls not listed. When challenging a called foul, a coach can only challenge that foul was not a foul. However, the review also will consider certain other reviewable matters, such as continuation or out-of-bounds plays. 
decisions on foul call reviews will be made by the on-court crew chief. Decisions on other challenges will be made by the replay center referee. To initiate a challenge, a team must call a legal timeout. The coach must immediately signal a challenge by twirling a finger toward the referees. In order to overturn a call on the floor, there must be a clear and conclusive visual evidence that the call was correct. So with that being said, let's take a look at some stats on the challenges that have occurred this year. So, currently, there is a 45% success rate in coaches' challenges this year. Interesting data. I honestly thought that the success rate would be much less because active games that I've watched, a lot of times I've just seen the refs just come out and say, nope, call's right, (laughs) you're wrong, you lose a timeout. But this is interesting data. 45% success rate on coaches' challenges this year. Uh, 41% of those successes have to do with... Actually, no, I'm reading that stat wrong. Okay, so 41% of called foul challenges, that's the success rate. So 41% of challenges regarding called fouls are overturned 71 percent of out of bounds plays are overturned meaning whether the ball was out of bounds off of one team or the other 71 percent of those challenges are overturned uh 56 percent success rate in goaltending um the clear the most clear stat here is the out of bounds one because that one's pretty easy to to see by video. Called fouls, that's a little different. That's up for interpretation. Uh, goaltending as well is up, is up for interpretation as well. But looking at these stats, man, I was actually surprised. I honestly thought the success rate would be around 20-25%. But 45% is, is a solid, it's close to 50%, meaning that nearly half, it's half and half. It could go either way, which is what you want. From a rule like this, you want the refs to get the calls right, and you want your team to have some of these rules work to their advantage. A lot of times we see refs make calls that are very questionable, and this rule allows a team, it allows a coach to have their say and let it be known that this this call is incorrect, and we'll go through the proper channels to make sure the call is made right. So at least it gives the officials the ability to review and say, hey, we're going to overturn this. We got this call wrong. And hopefully it'll be changed for the better for the league, for officials, for the crew in Secaucus to recognize these calls and to make sure that the game is called right. That's the goal of the rule. Make sure you get the call right. And I will challenge it so you have to review it. And I'm willing to give up a timeout for that, especially when the game is on the line. So I do like the rule. I honestly thought the rule didn't or wouldn't work going into the season. But these stats have shown me otherwise, around 45% success rate, which is pretty good for a new rule enacted. And I think the rule was good for the league. And I think coaches 
should use it at the right and opportune time. I mean, you don't want to use it when you're down 20 to see who who the ball went off of. You use it when it's a crucial moment in the game. I'd say late third, early fourth quarter when games can be won or lost with momentum plays, that's when you make the decision to use a challenge. When you need the ball, when you're a possession away from getting back to a cut it to five or you see momentum shifting and a call could change the pace and the tempo of the game out of your favor. That's when you use the challenge rule. Not when you're down 30. Not when you're up 20 and just want to just want to use it for no reason. You use the rule to maximize your potential to win. In crucial moments. That's the only time I would use a challenge. That was episode two of the Small Town Hoopers podcast. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I am actually now, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, welcome. I actually just got on there today. I'm super excited about it. Now we are on all, well, most of any platform that um, you can stream podcasts on. So if you like what you listen to, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, we're all just hoopers and we love the game. So I'm going to end this podcast like I did the first one. Just go hoop. Just go hoop. And my spelling of just go hoop is a little different. I spell it um, just G-E-A-U-X hoop. You like that one, right? I like it too. That's going to be the new type of slogan for small town hoopers. Just go hoop because we love the game. We love basketball. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to spread my joy and talk to you guys about the game because we all love hoop. So, again, thank you for listening. I appreciate anybody who reached out and, and said they love the podcast. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing this because I love it, and I know you guys love basketball too. So, again, thank you. This has been Episode 2 of the Small Town Hoopers Podcast.